referred to off the back of speaking to Jacob this afternoon in Canada. Um, straight after that, I had a chat with Connor, who is an expat living in South Korea. And they are on a very different timescale to us, given that they're sort of coming out the other end of this now. So this was a very different perspective and also a very interesting chat. Enjoy. Hello, and very rapidly, we are backing up episode one with episode two, and I am joined this afternoon by Connor from The Blunt Report. He's another fellow podcaster who I found through the wonder of Facebook, and he's currently in Korea. Hey, Connor. Hey, how's it going? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How did you find yourself in Korea? Uh, Well, like a lot of sort of... um I guess native English speakers, it's a good opportunity to sort of travel and earn a little bit of money by coming to Korea and, um, and teaching, teaching English. Uh, so that's basically what I did. I was sort of thinking about doing it for a while. And um, I, I was in a space sort of in my life not too long after university where it was a good chance to do it. And I sort of just took the plunge. Right. And I detect mostly an Australian accent, but somewhat of a slight UK accent there as well. So where are you usually based? So I was born in the UK and uh, uh, then we moved to Australia when I was quite young. And then I have sort of been back and forth between the UK and Australia on and off over that time. Um, for the most part, I was living in Melbourne. Uh, I lived in Melbourne for all of my university and a couple of years sort of before and afterwards as well. Okay, right. Cool. So how long have you been in Korea then? Uh, it's actually quite a while now. Uh, I'd say it's about a year and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you must be really enjoying it. Yeah, it's good. It's, um, I mean, it has up and up and ups and downs. Sorry, uh, especially in my city, there's some pretty strong good things and some pretty strong bad things too. Um, but I mean, just for the most part, at the moment, I just haven't really had a reason uh, to return to Australia yet. So, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, when we spoke earlier, um, and I put the call out on Facebook for guests for this particular podcast you told me you're in a particular province of korea that has was one of the epicenters of the outbreaks of coronavirus there can you tell me a little bit about what that was like particularly being an expat um and and how the information came through and 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 whether or not it was kind of uh timely or if you felt like things were um i guess a little bit ambiguous um and yeah so on yeah, so it's not in the province that I'm in. It's in the specific, the city that I'm in itself oh. um, in, called Daegu. Um, yeah, so it's it's a little bit different. Uh, and you'll find as you speak to a few other countries, you know, now sort of Western nations, uh, it's really just before the peak. It's getting to the worst of the coronavirus mm-hmm. infection. But for me and the rest of us here, we're actually over the peak and past it because Korea was the first sort of country that was heavily affected directly after China. Mm. So when China was going through the worst of it, uh, you know, nations like Australia and the UK, they had what, like 10 cases, mm-hmm. 20 cases. Uh, and Korea was growing quite quickly. And then we had uh, one specific um, person with coronavirus who went through my city. This was when we had, I think... Maybe I think we had like 30 odd people infected in Korea. And uh, yeah, she went through my city and she happens to be a part of like, this is honestly like a, like a storyline from a movie. She's mm. a part of this very sort of hated uh, church group, very cult like church group. 
in Korea, and she went to lots of different gatherings. They had they have huge sort of meetings in this church in which they sort of sit around close to each other, touching each other. It was just absolutely perfect for a virus. Mm-hmm. So there was, I think there was like 20 cases. Uh, I think there was like 20 cases in my city. And then the next day it shot up to 100. Then it was like 500. And then it basically grown to, I think it stands now somewhere between six or 7,000 people in my city. Whoa. Yeah. How, how did they find out that, that most of the cases came from this one specific person and the movements that, that she was taking. What's well, a- um, yeah, I, I want to make a pretty clear point that it's been quite funny because this, this happened weeks ago, right? I haven't been at yeah. work for about a month or so now. And this right. happened when other nations didn't have really any big concerns about Corona. Like I think at the time there was still only 20 people or so infected in Australia, for example. Mm-hmm. And, um, Though at that time, the rest of the world was sort of viewing Korea like with a little bit of pity and maybe with a little bit of fear for Koreans going around the world just in case they're bringing the virus. And now it's actually completely and entirely flipped. And Korea is seen as sort of the model country on how to deal with coronavirus because now we are getting more people being discharged, cured from hospital than we are getting new infections. So the number itself is going down and we are well over the peak. Um... So the reason that they knew where they, the person went is basically just the way that they have handled the virus in general here. They've really kept track of the uh, sort of travel history of each individual. Um, and even now, obviously at that time, that was when the virus was just starting, starting to kick off. But now, uh, now they're sort of in the groove of it. Uh, in a very Korean way, there's an app you can get if you get infected with coronavirus, which can sort of document to the government and people around you things that you need to do. You can get assistance so you can move around as little as possible. Um, and it's freely available information to see where these people have been and, and where they're from and things like that. Gosh, if you could see my face now, I'm um, <laughs> I'm incredulous. That's That sounds like a very sensible approach. Um, to something like this, I think one of the big problems here for us right now, and, and maybe part of the problem is, is that, as you, as you said, you guys have been going through this for a while and it's still quite new to us, although it's mm. changing very rapidly, like hourly at the moment. Um, we just, we're getting so many mixed messages, so much ambiguous information and it's hard to really find out even what you're supposed to do if you suspect you have it. I mean, we went through a Mm. period not long ago where they actually weren't testing people because we ran out of tests Mm. unless you'd sort of specifically been overseas to a, you know, a trouble spot or you had been in direct contact with somebody who had a confirmed case. So (laughs) hearing, hearing that, there's a system like that in place in somewhere like Korea um, that sounds like it's a fairly simple thing for somebody to be able to implement is quite disconcerting, I have to say, for me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if it's, it is, it is mildly disconcerting for sure because there's ramifications from it, but uh, Korea is one of, one of the countries that sort of culturally has an ability to change very rapidly um the sort of uh the people have i wouldn't say a trust isn't the right word it's quite hard to describe it's sort of they have a a national pride in the way that they want to 
do things more for the greater good, whereas uh, Western nations might be more of an individualism sort of thing. And not only that as well, uh, Koreans are generally sort of quite worried about infection and viruses and, and mm-hmm. things like that, probably more so as well. I think just by the notion that it's such a small country here and there's so many people and people are sort of yet used to being stacked on top of each other where that's more of a concern than maybe if you're in somewhere with a lot more space. Sure. Uh, like Australia, and you know, it's 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 a country that sort of prides itself on on being modern. And a perfect example of this is just how the testing has has gone down here versus other countries as well. So, you know, at the time when Italy was starting to get really bad, I think I saw that they had done about ten thousand tests for coronavirus, whereas Korea, which I think still is by far the most amount of tests in the world, Korea had done like. 250,000 instead of 10,000. So Korea is testing people basically before they even get the opportunity to go out and spread more. They're mm-hmm. testing people who who could be at high risk. They just have better testing plans. And uh, the difference between sort of what has happened here and I think what's happening in other nations is there hasn't been sort of any uh, weakness with the implementation. For example, the day that we found out in my city that uh, the sort of the the big spreading event had occurred, everything shut down instantaneously. All schools were closed, or sorry, all academies, I work at a private academy, Mm -hmm. all private academies were closed. Uh, Everybody sort of locked themselves indoors. Uh, That sort of happened instantly. Whereas in Australia, and I think the US and the UK and Europe, uh, I think that has only been implemented in, in certain parts, which, you know, you need an approach all or nothing kind of thing. And I think that's why it's been so successful here. So you, I feel from that, that um, the Koreans in general took it very seriously from the, from the get go, the, the actual people, not the government and, and, and kind of took it upon themselves to take their own preventative measures because here, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, but there were like (laughs) thousands of people down at Bondi beach literally the day after the prime minister announced mm. you know no no large gatherings outside of over a certain amount of people and the police went down and shut down the beach and i feel like over the weekend the current response we've had now um or the current update we've had now is in direct response to that kind of i guess lackadaisical attitude of seemingly quite a few australians in sort of thinking that this is potentially not as serious as the government would like us to think? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily thinking that it's more serious. I just think it's it's really hard to describe because obviously I'm not Korean myself, Mm -hmm. so uh, I guess I haven't had the cultural influences and grown up in a certain way, but there is a certain um, self-preservation thing that i guess koreans have in in i think in asia they have more maybe than other nations would um and like i said there is sort of a a a different i wouldn't say again more trust but a a different type of trust with the government and with sort of a national pride in which it's like we have to sort of do this uh maybe together as a unit and more than the sort of level of individualism that other countries might have um Mm. so i think that's that's definitely something to do with it but also again just as a cultural thing like koreans they care a lot about like being clean they care a lot about like uh, you know image is quite important how they look Mm. um there's a certain level of xenophobia here as well um so the fact that sort of it's a virus brought from 
China, by overseas people. I think that certain amount of xenophobia also acted towards maybe the level of fear that made everyone stay indoors. Um, sure. Like I said, it's not necessarily, I don't necessarily think that um, they were smarter and they went, yeah, we know this is serious. We should do it. It's more just something that is ingrained in the culture that coincided with fighting the virus in a better way. And also the, the, the government implementation was completely mm. and utterly better than I think any other government has sort of fought against it. Um, and I actually watched a, short video the other day with the foreign minister of Korea speaking to the British government, sorry, the British news, British media, and just talking about why they implemented things, how they did it. And, mm. you know, funnily enough, Korea hasn't actually even closed their borders yet. We've still been able to stop the amount of infections. Wow. Yeah. Right. That's, I did, I'd actually didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. um, wow. That's a really interesting um, perspective. It's really interesting to talk to you. Um, were you were you worried yourself? Did you did you at any point think maybe I should head home, or were you quite sort of happy to continue there? Uh, I mean, not really. I didn't really think about that. Just purely because, like, the job I've got at the moment is a good job. Mm. Uh, I've got you know, it's a good amount of pay. If I went home, it's like I've <laughs> you know I've put myself in more of a difficult situation because I'd have to find you know a different job, that kind of mm. thing. And um, so from that perspective, it didn't really concern me that much. I didn't really feel that unsafe. Um, I'm not sure why. I think just because like I, I was very wary from the beginning of it. Um, I, you know, I've always been sort of clean with things. I myself sort of jumped into the, so the self quarantine quite quickly. Mm. I felt like the uh, Korea as a whole had the situation relatively under control. I didn't really see much benefit from actually sort of picking up sticks and going back to Australia. I didn't really see that that would be a good thing. And now, as it turns out, because Absolutely. Australia and most of the West <laughs> is freaking out and yeah. Korea hasn't at all and seems to be hopefully, you know, bar any sort of uh, re, re mass infection or something like that, hopefully is on the, on the way to uh, fixing the situation. It was probably a good decision. And do you think, um, because we, we're talking in this country in terms of a huge economic impact um, like enormous recession type talk. Has that been the case in Korea as well? Or was it handled so quickly that it's had minimal impact on that side of things? Well, I mean, it's still been, like I said, I still haven't worked for a month and anything yeah. that you're thinking about there, we have thought about sort of three weeks ago because the infection happened three weeks ago, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, so any sort of discussions you're thinking about there, we've sort of already had the same problem earlier. Uh, the the economic impact is going to be huge, especially on small businesses. There's a lot of sort of small business owners, young business owners in Korea that have bars and cafes and, mm -hmm. and academies. Private academies are a big thing here, which is, like I said, where I work. And they're all closed. And that is certainly one thing that Korea has not done well that I definitely feel sad for is they haven't, they haven't actually uh, governmentally mandated the closure of uh, private academies and things like that because they know if they do they then have to um, give them some money to assist yeah so right. basically this this month of me getting paid and everyone else getting paid in these private academies isn't getting any assistance from the government and is mm -hmm. is coming out of the pocket of the owners which is uh, a horrendous amount of pressure on them and i think you know australia they're talking about giving out certain uh, surpluses to uh, business owners and I know in the UK mm. they're going to do that I think that is something that is sort of necessary to mitigate any issues and I do worry that 
because that hasn't happened here, I do worry how the face of small businesses will look in six months. Wow. That's, um, sorry, I'm just sort of processing everything that you're saying as we're, as we're kind of having this conversation. <laughs> and I think a part of the reason I started this, I mentioned in the last episode, I, last week I got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to put my head in the sand. I don't want to know anything about it. I took myself off social media. I didn't check the news. And then now I've dived, <laughs> diving headfirst into speaking to as many different people as I can from as many different parts of the world about the particular situation there. But I'm actually finding it kind of cathartic in a way, um, mm, getting getting that, yeah, like especially talking to someone like you who's kind of coming out the other end and um, not hearing that panic in your voice. And you know what I mean? Like it's sort of, <laughs> we're, still, we're still, I mean, the, the biggest decisions have just been made literally over this weekend. So Yeah, I remember hearing about it. Hmm, people are kind of really starting to go, okay, well, this is happening. And, um, and, and so it's, this is really fascinating to get that sort of perspective, um, from it. I've never been to Korea. I've traveled a lot through Asia, but it's one of the places I've never been to. So it's fascinating, um, to hear all this stuff. And I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me. I'd love to check in in another couple of weeks, if that's okay. And see if you still um, manage to stay under control, um, because Mm -hmm. obviously that would be, um, good to hear yeah i should hope so too yeah and if you'd like to just quickly um re re give everybody the details about your podcast and where they can find it if they're looking for something to do during their self-isolation yeah so i've obviously during my isolation i've been working on the podcast a lot so i have sort of a science and education podcast um the idea is each episode you can sort of go on to a different topic and learn about something from someone who knows a lot about it um, it's called the blunt report it's you can download it anywhere uh, also on instagram facebook all those sort of places um for example the last episode that i had uh, was with a lady who writes about uh, the research surrounding sort of the microbiome and your gut flora and skin flora and things like that and the next episode i have coming up is with a um sex researcher a woman who does research surrounding sex um surrounding relationships things like that um all completely science-based and educational Hmm. Sounds fascinating. I will definitely be tuning in myself. Thank you once again. And I will talk to you again soon. Perfect. Thank you.